Are you in a position where you're defined by your age and that's limiting you to pursue a dream or goal you want to accomplish? The More Than Your Age podcast is about having conversations with women who fully live their lives without being dictated or defined by their age. This is a space to encourage women who feel blocked to pursue a dream or goal based on their life circumstances. Welcome to the More Than Your Age podcast. I am your host, Erica Pazbar. Let's start living life fully and become more than your age. A common belief is that once we've chosen a career, we have to stay in it forever. The reality is that that doesn't happen as often anymore. I know I thought in the past that once I chose to be a teacher, that that was my calling for the rest of my life. That's what I had to do. Flash forward five, six years since I left the classroom, and that's not a reality. Life changes, circumstances happen, passions evolve. So what do we do when we're faced with an opportunity to end one chapter and start a new one in an area we know nothing about? My guest today shares how she closed the door on a business she created and entered the corporate world knowing very little to nothing about a new career she was embarking on at the age of 36. Well, joining me today on the More Than Your Age podcast is a friend of mine from college, Megan Staggs. Brock, welcome to the show. Hi, it's so fun to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to have you here. I am very thankful that you and I got to kind of reconnect through our mutual friend Sally's crazy 40th birthday party. (laughs) The best (laughs) Dolly Parton birthday I've ever been to. Oh my goodness. (laughs) For the listeners, get your friend. Everyone needs to get themselves a friend like our friend Sally. She is like the best connector ever. She has maintained friendships for years and years and years and probably has Mm -hmm. over a million friends. No joke. Um, But uh, that's how Megan and I, I know we know each other through college, but uh, mainly reconnected through our mutual friend and also everybody. She just had her big 40th birthday and through this crazy Dolly Parton themed party where everyone was encouraged to dress like Dolly Parton or do something along the lines of related to Dolly. And um, it was it was a show for sure. (laughs) It was. It was a blast. (laughs) It was. You and I were able to just chat for a good chunk of that party, and I really enjoyed our conversation. And just in the midst of our conversation, I was realizing, you know, your current situation from the past few years, this big shift in your life of transforming, transferring careers. I was was sitting there listening, and I was like, oh, my gosh, Megan is this perfect candidate for the show being in the midst of it. And so we are going to talk about that. But before we do, I want to kind of rewind and then slightly fast forward, rewind to when I knew you, which was in in Denton, Texas. Also, Megan, where Mm -hmm. are you from? San Antonio, Texas. So you you grew up in Texas and then you, uh, you moved to Denton for school. I did. Yeah. So I moved, um, I did a couple years of college in San Antonio and then I moved up to Denton, um, in 2005. Um, to go to University of North Texas. You decided to move to Memphis. What what drew you to Memphis? Why did you decide to move there, leaving Denton? 
Yeah, so I um, was really good friends with a friend who was at DTS at the time, and she met a guy in one of her groups, Ken and Vaughn, who started a ministry here in Memphis called Downline, and it was a year-long discipleship ministry, and my friend Kelsey really wanted to go and be a part of it and do it and move to Memphis. Well, Kenan was coming to Denton or maybe one of the outskirts small towns to do like a youth um, now weekend. And so he spoke and I was her wingman to go with her. Um, And after hearing him preach and then we got to meet up with him afterwards and learn more about the program, I was like sold. I wanted to go and be a part of that and do it. And so the Lord, I really call that my Red Sea moment in life of the Lord just parting really big obstacles that would have just normally looking at my situation. Um, it was closed doors, but the Lord just led me to the right people and he opened doors for me to go finish my student teaching in Memphis and be a part of one of the colleges here. And so I ended up moving to Memphis and Kelsey stayed in Texas. So, um, (laughs) so it was, um, again, something that I, I wasn't seeking out. I just remember that summer before I heard about the program, I was praying, Lord, I really want to learn how to disciple women. I really want to just experience some place new, um, outside of Texas since Texas was all I knew at that point. And I needed it to be like so clear that I knew that this is where he had me to be. And so he checked box, checked off those boxes um, faithfully. And so I thought I'd move here for a year um, and then go back to Texas to, to teach. But just through life circumstances, I've been here for 15 years now. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, more than a year. Yeah, definitely more than a year. You just shared too when you were mentioning your story of kind of getting out there to Memphis that there were apparent closed doors. Do you mind explaining that a little bit more? Yeah. So since I I met Kenan and heard about Downline um, in the spring, so that was about February. So I knew in August of that year, I still had a semester of student teaching. And so we had had a class not too earlier before that, that, you know, they were like, you have to pick a school in this radius from the university. Um, And so you knew you had to stay in the DFW area. Um, So that was one big part. I knew nobody um, in Memphis. I knew nothing about Memphis. And so that was more of like a personal hurdle of just fear um, of going somewhere and doing something that I really don't know a ton about, but I knew that's where I wanted to go. And then the finances behind that. So you, there is a fee to go through downline. And I knew that that was, I needed to figure out that summer how I was going to pay for that. And though it wasn't much, but at, you know, college age, a thousand dollars is <laughs> a lot, it seems. So, um, so the first big hurdle was how am I going to be able to finish out my degree? So 
I had to go to my um, counselor, you know, my school advisor counselor at North Texas. And so that was the big hurdle of would she allow me to go outside of the radius that they put in? And so I remember walking to her office on campus and just praying like, Lord, if she says no, that's great. I loved it and I love Texas and you have something else. But if it is yes, um, then oh my goodness. How, what, this is going to change my life. And so I walked in and I just asked, what is the possibility of me doing my student teaching in Memphis? And she said, oh, sure. Yeah, that won't be a problem. And I was like, oh, that was way too easy. Um, and so she told me, just downstairs, you need to talk to this one lady and this lady. Like, you'll have to do some testing. But the big hurdle will be you're going to have to find a university in Memphis that will allow you to be under a professor's headship, but allow University of North Texas standards. So it's not like I was leaving North Texas to go to University of Memphis, but I needed somebody to play that role for them to come and like watch me do my student teaching and, you know, whatnot, grade me through it. So that is also where a lot of closed doors happened. It was either I was going to have to leave North Texas to become a student at the university. Nobody was willing to just take me on um, and do the work, which rightfully so, that was difficult. And so after a month or so of researching that, I actually ended up talking with Kenan and saying, you know, it doesn't look like it'll pan out for me to come to Memphis this year, but maybe I can come back and do, because that was going to be the first year of their emerging leader program, which was um, people just graduating from college that wanted a gap year before going into the workforce or ministry or whatever they um, had plans to do. And so I had said, you know, maybe I can come the following year. And so Kenan knows a lot of people here in Memphis. And so he got me connected with um, a smaller college that happened to be here at the time, Crichton College. And um, one of those professors called me and knew my situation and was willing to take it on. And so after a 15 minute phone call, um, he was like, okay, great. Well, we'll see you in August. And I was like, gosh, I'm moving to Memphis. Um, and so right there, I remember walking on UNT campus and just thinking, oh my gosh, I need to tell my parents that I'm moving, that, um, you know, all these things that I just really did not think that this was going to happen, though I wanted it. Those were just big God moments in my life that I, I that I still cling to and know that um, he is leading me where he wants me to go. I just have to be faithful in that. And, um, and so that is when I knew, okay, I'm supposed to be here. So I moved to Memphis and I did downline along with doing my student teaching, which is, which was a really huge gift. Um, because I got to know the city of Memphis in a way that I wouldn't have if I had just come here. Because you do have to work when you go through the downline program. But it was a sweet way for me to get to know the city. And at the time, the school system was divided differently. And, and 
so different situations that I got to go and be a part of several different schools, which taught me a lot about the culture here and the South and just a lot different than what it was in Texas. When you were a part of the program and you were doing your student teaching at the same time, how like was the program in the evenings or early mornings? How were you able to balance both of those? Yeah, so it's set up that you had Monday night class um, from 6.30 to 8.30, and then you had Wednesday morning class. And back then it was 5.45 to 7.45 in the mornings. And so we, they were really great to like work with me. And so I could, you know, if I needed to slip out at like seven that morning, that was okay. And then emerging leaders had an extra class during the week, um, which that one depended on if it was a morning class or a night class, depending on who was teaching that week or whatnot. So it was able to work. It was a lot for sure. But we also lived. So the emerging leaders, if you move in from out of town, they have houses set up around the city. So you live with other people that are going through the program. So if you happen to miss something, like somebody else would reteach those lessons to you or whatnot. And then you're also paired up with somebody to disciple you. So I had an older woman in my life who discipled me. And so we were able to keep up through that. So even though I might not have been there um, for a little bit of the class time, there's still so many other aspects that you're getting poured into that kept it going. And it was only for a semester. So then I graduated that December, um, but Downline still had a spring semester. Well, first off, I'm thinking most students who are in their student teaching semester or year depends on what their school looks like you know that's what they do because that's a full-time job and most do not choose to go into a separate type of programming um, at the same time because it's exhausting so I commend you for doing that that's a lot of work but I also want you you know not everybody is familiar with downline or any type of training program was could you explain like the intent um, of the program was it kind of like a mini seminary leadership training just briefly share what kind of what the goal was and what your goal was in completing this program yeah so downline is um, I just can't speak more highly of it and it really is a life-changing year so downline's mission is How do we get laymen to understand the Bible and be confident in it to then go and reteach? And so the Lord called us to be disciple makers. And so it's not just meant for the leaders of the church, that it is for all of us um, to be a part of. And so the program runs from August to early May, and it goes through Genesis to Revelations, though they don't go through all, they can't go through every single book, but they take you through all the big milestones of the book. And they have different professors or pastors from the city and teachers come in to teach each class. Um, And so we might spend a week on Genesis or this week we're in Leviticus or we're on the life of Abraham. And so through that year, you are just 
engulfed in the word and in truth and in relationships and community. And so, so the real goal is to be able to reteach the Bible to others. Okay. Well, and then, you know, you complete, you complete this year and you mentioned your first semester of it, you were student teaching and that it was a requirement that you were working full-time. And so student teaching counted. Did you find a full-time teaching job or was this the moment where you decided to kind of start your, your other, your business? Yeah. So when I graduated in December, I knew, so because I was still a student of North Texas, my teaching degree was in Texas, not Tennessee. So I, my goal or thought was I'll finish out downline and then I'll move back to Texas um, and start teaching there. So that semester of downline, I was working, I just took up some nanny jobs with some families because I did that through college to help pay for downline. Um, And so I knew that there would always be families in need of some side help. So I started picking up families to work for and then just doing some other side jobs with ministries. And then the families that I worked for in the nanny world, uh, that just became such a sweet ministry that I was able to take what I was learning at Downline and implement that in if that was teaching two and three-year-olds the basics of what I'm learning. And um, one of the other aspects in Downline was in the spring semester, you go through a couple weeks of going through what does womanhood look like biblically, and then the guys separate out and what does biblical manhood look like. And, And one of the aspects of that is for women, you know, how do we help disciple our children in the home? And so I got to see firsthand in that of moms pouring into their kids and creating a home that had traditions and really focusing, just taking every little life moment in the day-to-day mundane things and how do you align that with the Lord, how do you turn that to um, teaching your kids about Jesus? Um, if that was through a discipline opportunity or if that was just through taking them outside and showing them God's creation. And I just fell in love with doing that um, and getting to be a part of families. And so when downline ended, I wasn't ready to move back to Texas. I wanted to stay with those families. So I said, okay, I'll stay another year and keep doing what I'm doing. And so I'm really grateful that I did. I got to, so every house in Downline also had kind of like the RA. They were the go-to person, the middleman between Downline and um, the residents. And so I ended up getting to be a Downline RA for one of the houses. So that was fun to still be a part of the ministry in a different way and get to pour into the girls that lived in the house, but then also have that time with families um, and serving. I think, you know, serving is definitely my love language. Um, And so getting to do that as my job and to be with children was just unique. And I got to see 
godly women on how they loved their husbands, how they, again, took care of their home and their kids. And, and so I did that for two years and I thought, okay, now I'm ready to move back to Texas. My degree was still current and my certification. And so I knew that I could, but did I want to move back to San Antonio? Did I want to go back to Dallas? That's where I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then the Lord opened up another door of um, a family that had quadruplets and um, they were about to, (laughs) yes. And so they were about to turn two and they had a three-year-old that was about to be four. And so that was going to turn into a full-time job that I could just be with one family. And that was really attractive to me um, in the sense that, because before I was bouncing around to several families. And so that's when I knew, man, babysitting is more than just giving parents a night off. You really do become an extension to these families and you really do become an extra line in this family. And the kids see me in a way that is unique and different. And so I have this opportunity to love these kids as if they are my own. And you get to be invited into homes where not a lot of people, I feel like in the American culture, do we do that very openly and willingly and and see the messy. And I and I get chosen to do that. And so I just, I knew that that was a high responsibility and um, a gift that I didn't want to stop, honestly. And so, so when the opportunity with the quadruplets came up, I knew I really wanted it. And I really wanted to figure out how do I help other girls get to do what I'm doing? Because so many families at that point, Memphis is also this interesting small town. Everybody knows everybody, but it's also a big city. And so word of mouth spread really quickly. And I had so many families asking, how do I find somebody who does what you do? Or can you please come and teach my nanny? Can you please come and show us what we could be doing different? Or, you know, how do I get you for a date night? How do I? And so I knew like, I, why is this so unique? Why is this so different when there are so many other girls my age who could be doing this um, and serving families and seeing that. And so that's where I got the passion and the interest to start a nanny babysitting agency um, to either connect families with girls. But then I knew the biggest, I knew the holdup was not so much connecting babysitters to moms. It was training the sitters and so any other job you go to, you get training on how to do it and what works, what doesn't. And I knew that that was our missing piece, that I want to be a part of teaching and training girls to work in my home. I think, so something you said, I I think is so profound. 
from, you know, just a little bit ago, you said that I'm offering something that's more than just babysitting or more than just, like my babysitting is more than just giving a parent a night out, which yes, they need that. But you are offering, you have something to give. You're an extension to this family. You can help mold these children in a positive way. You can teach them about the Lord. You can teach them different skill sets and whatever that may be. Like your mindset of watching children and caring after them, I think obviously separated you from so many other people, which is necessary. I mean, I think people can take that for granted of just like, oh, we just, you know, someone come, you know, put the kids in front of a TV and we're good. And it's like, well, no, there's there's way more to that. And the fact that you realize, too, that the missing piece was the actual training. Because I think people, too, will say, well, you don't need to be trained to go babysit. You just watch kids. But when parents have children, you know, they need some training. And as far as, yeah, you're learning as you go, but they need that training, too, as, as far as developmentally. What should we be doing? What am I supposed to be teaching these kids? You learn this as an educator of how to instruct children and you know, you don't just get thrown into the classroom not knowing how people respond and grow developmentally and how they learn. And so I think that that was very uh, wise of you and brilliant of you to realize that that was a need. Now, you, when you realized that and thought, okay, now I need to start training these girls, did, how, how did you implement that or what did that look like in your business? Yeah, so... At first, it was more like one-on-one. I would I would have girls reach out. Um, we would go have coffee. I would listen in on like what their unique situation was, um, what I, could, I would suggest to do different or whatnot. And then I realized like me, I can give suggestions all day long, but I think also just like disciple making, the Lord calls us to do life on life with people. And so if we don't get to see this played out and actually see the hands on deck and how it works, because again, every family is different. Every child is different. And so I knew I needed some way for there to be a tactical thing. And so, which then led me to hosting babysitting classes and, you know, it was interesting because it, uh, there is a different level of being a nanny and being a babysitter. And so during that season, I got a lot of the young girls that are so excited to be on that cusp of being able to babysit. And, you know, that 10 to 12 year old range was a real sweet spot of that. And so which was so fun. And I would have them come to my house and we would go through kind of all the big steps of, you know, how do you run a bath? Um, How do you make a baby bottle? How do you change a diaper? How do you change a, an infant's clothes? Because I remember, and this was in college, which is crazy to think one of the families that I worked for Um, when I was at UNT, the mom was expecting their fourth. And so, so I would take care of the toddler. And when, once she had the baby, I really hadn't been around newborns much. And so there was this fear of, am I going to break her? It's so, you know, she's so fragile. Um, And I remember the mom asking me, she's like, Hey, do you mind going and changing her and changing the outfit? 
And I was like, um, yeah, sure. And so I go and I'm like standing over the changing table and changing a diaper was not a big deal, but I was like, how do you take the clothes off? Am I going to break a bone? Am I going to, um, I mean, it really was, how do you do this? And, um, and so she was so kind to patiently teach me that and just give me confidence of that. So me getting to teach that to these girls, um, okay, this is how we would change an outfit. How do you change? Like, if you have spit up all over it, you don't want it going over their face. Like, how do you do that? And, um, and so that was real fun getting to be a part of that. And, and really Instagram was a way that I used to teach as well, where that's where the marketing piece kind of came in. I knew like, how do we reach more people in this? And so, so that's when I started really documenting like what activities am I playing with kids? What, how do I, you know, what am I doing for Easter? How am I teaching the gospel in that? What are we doing for Christmas and, um, and whatnot? So, so that became a big outlet for me on just teaching and showing as I'm going throughout my day. As I'm listening to you, you know, your heart was a thousand percent in the right place. And at the same time, you were single. I don't know if you were dating at the time either, but you were single while you were working with these families. So how were you able to remain content in your season of life while being surrounded by marriage and kids and I'm assuming a life that you desired? Yeah, that's a great question. And I did. I I did long for that on my own. And when people ask me that through that season of my life, I it really, I think because of what I did and, you know, I kind of would call myself, I was the part-time mom. I, it filled a void in a way that I think if I was, you know, if I just had a, a different nine to five job that it probably wouldn't have gotten filled in that way. But, you know, so like after the quads, I then started with the family which the mom was expecting and um and so it's like I've had six newborn babies that you know again are not mine but they felt so much like mine and so um I really did get to live this beautiful life of loving on children even though they're not my own but they became like my own and then also having a community of other women who are in my stage of life, um, who are working and living for the Lord and, but also enjoying their single seasons of traveling and, you know, us just doing what we enjoyed doing and doing that together and having, again, that community, which is what has kept me here in Memphis, to be honest, is the community of, um, of women and of other believers that encouraged John. So I never felt like I was totally missing out on something or that my life was not in the right spot, quote unquote. Though I did long for that and there were definitely days and moments of that, of seeing other people getting married. and But there was just a genuine excitement for those people and a genuine excitement for those having kids 
because I kind of felt like I had my own in a way. And I don't know if that makes sense. So. Oh, it definitely makes sense. And I think that that's just another beautiful, beautiful perspective that you have that I know will encourage another woman as well who may be in that season, maybe, you know, around other families and that's what she's desiring um, or just being, you know, being around marriage and wanting that, but to be able to still serve and maybe they're not work with kids, but they can utilize their singlehood and travel and, and find community. Cause I think that's so important. No matter what stage in life you are is to have some type of community. You can live anywhere. You can live in the coolest place in the world. And, but if you don't have a knit, a close knit group of, of people to really do life with. And it, I mean, I think it doesn't make it worth it. Well, at some point you meet your husband. Yay. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> and COVID happens and life and your business change. What happened at that time at whatever point, And I'd love for you to share that, that require you to jump into something completely new um, and different. <clears throat> Yeah. So yeah, COVID, um, it's hard to believe that was three years ago. Um, but it, it really did shake things up in my life. So, you know, the other hard part of being a nanny and loving on children that are not your own is having to say goodbye. And so when the quads turned the age of going to school, you know, they didn't need full time as much. And so that was incredibly difficult of getting to be with the family for three years and watch them grow up and, um, and say, okay, like our season is, you know, though I still keep in contact with them and whatnot, it just changes. And so after the quads, I, that was another time that I thought, okay, I'm now I'm ready to move back to Texas and do something different because it's too painful to keep saying goodbye. Then like two days later, I had another family call and say, would you be interested in working with us? And again, it was in Memphis and they had three kids. She was expecting the fourth and I just really wrestled with the Lord. I don't know if I can do this again, but I knew it's where he had me. So I was with them for, gosh, four years, five years, five years. So when the baby started kinder and that one was excruciating painful. Um, and I knew I, I cannot keep doing this, <laughs> but yet you love it so much. And I'm so passionate about it. I just was like, Lord, is there another way I can use my gifts and talents? And so COVID hit, and at that time, I was temporarily working for a family, and they had a special needs child. And so when COVID hit, they rightfully so just had to really lock down on their house. Um, and so that opened the door of, okay, this isn't what I want to do for full time anymore, but what other things can I do? Because now I don't have a teaching degree. That has expired. Um do I want to move back to Texas? Do I want to leave the community that I have? And I wrestled with that a lot of being a single woman. I owned a home at the time. Like, am I willing to leave all this and not know, like, though I miss my family so much because they're still in San Antonio, am I 
pick up and leave a place that I do have. Um, and at the time where I was living, like my neighbors were amazing. We had neighborhood cookouts and dinners together. And they were the ones that like, do you have an egg I can borrow? Do you have, um, what can I get you at the store? Or, you know, it was just really an, an amazing gift. So, but then COVID hits and I lose my job. Well, that also means like I can't sell my house until I have another job. And where is that going to be? And it was just this back and forth. And I had a friend tell, ask me like, well, what do you want? And I was like, I don't know what I want. Like, what does that even mean? Um, And I really wrestled with that one for a lot. Like, and over time, he had said, well, like, you might not find your dream job right now, but like, what do you want in life? What do you want to do? What job could you do to allow you to do the things that you want to do? And so then that's when I just started creating a list of like, what do I want to do in my life? Not professionally, but outside. Like, I do want to get married. I do want to have children, but like, I don't have control over that. That's the Lord. Um, but it is something I can pray for. Um, and so then it's like, okay, what kind of job can I get that's going to allow me to travel and allow me to take care of my home and eat and, you know, meet those needs, um, but also get to go on mission trips if I want to and have that flexibility. And so not too long later, I got a text message from a close friend and he has a his family, they own a business here in Memphis. And so they, he had just got the word out of, we are looking for somebody in marketing, you know, just let me know if you know of anybody who could be interested. And I just boldly just kind of asked like, okay, I have some marketing experience, even though not really professionally, but on the smaller level with getting the babysitting stuff together and what I've done on social media and whatnot. So I just (laughs) responded back. Can I put my name in the hat for that? And he was like, Oh uh, yeah, sure. Like just send a resume and, and uh, the HR for the company. And, um, and so I went through all the steps and, and again, that was the, another Red Sea moment in my life of thinking, I don't know if I can do this, but I have to give it a shot because I have nothing else to lose. And I don't know if this is what the Lord has for me or not. But at that point, I was desperate for a job to pay my bills. (laughs) So um, that gave me, I think, you know, that puts a little determination in me. And having community around me cheering me on saying you can do this like and I have zero concept of what an office life would look like I mean all I know is double wears Prada and (laughs) um you know like what you see on movies and so I did and again by God's grace he opened that door and they were willing to give me a shot and a chance of um, coming in and helping them with their department. And now I've been there for three years. And so I truly am so very thankful for that. And two months after I started the job, that year 
also some friends who are in their late 30s, they all decided to do online dating during COVID. And so I was very much the like, no, I am not doing that. That is not my story. That is not how I want the Lord to bring my man. And the Lord is comical. And that's, you know, I tried it. And um, the Lord knew I couldn't take much. And so um, he was the first one I met. And um, off of, I mean, I went on a couple dates on another site and got off of it and got back on on another one. And um, he was the first one I met. and. We got married a year and a half later. <laughs> and as they say, the rest is history, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, I, I love that. And I love that. I love that a group of your friends were like, we're doing this together, guys. I have a same, like a similar group of friends who they also during COVID were like, guys, we're going to do this. And one met her husband. So you know what? If you're out there, folks, hey, don't knock it. Don't knock it till you try it. right. (laughs) Well, okay. So you said you're, you're three years in, so you're technically not as new anymore, but you know, you've, you've had to go through a lot of hurdles of just learning and what the heck am I doing? And like you said, my vision of double worst Prada being in an office setting. So what, like in all of that, what, what have been some of the challenging moments in marketing as a marketing businesswoman that you've experienced? What do you want to to see change or how would you like it to grow? Um, it's kind of a lot of questions in one, but you know, just take it how you will with that. Yeah. You know, my experience in this uh, profession is pretty, is unique. And I um, am so grateful for that. So I, I think the hurdle is coming in on something new and just, it is, marketing is so big and wide and there are so many different careers within marketing and not only that coming in and working for a flexible packaging company so we like print shit bags and candy wrappers and all the things you see in the grocery store which i did not even know that that field existed like i did not know it takes engineers to create this bag that we just purchased off the shelf and and so it was it is this whole new language and world and so i am so grateful that i have a boss who from the beginning was like okay just remember this is a marathon not a sprint like we are not here to change everything overnight like this is going to be a process. And so that has really allowed me the time and space to like get to learn. And really, I'm so thankful for learning how to ask for help. That has taken me time. But I think that kids really have taught me that lesson. Um, Because, you know, as children, you're obviously learning life and learning skills. And you have to ask for help. And that humility of that, because if not, the Legos are going to break or the um, dollhouse isn't going to get built or, you know, whatever that is. And so early on when I started, there was another lady who is connected to our company. She works for a different company, but she does their marketing. And she just graciously offered like, hey, if you ever want to just get like a monthly marketing coffee chat. Um, I would love to just 
catch up and share with you about like what I've learned in marketing and whatnot. And I grabbed hold of that and I was like, oh my gosh, that is so kind of you. Yes, please. Because it was overwhelming of like, how do you help somebody with their website and how do you help with events and how do you help with their social media? And, um, and there's marketing lingo that I honestly just didn't like, what is a CRM? I don't know, but I need to find out. And so there is a lot of Googling and still is of um, just being willing to learn and having somebody to help pave a path for you. And so I'm grateful for Heather and how she, you know, at every call, she would kind of I don't know if she knew she was doing it, but would give me kind of homework, quote unquote, to do like, okay, this time, like, I would really like encourage you to work on this or, um, and it was so great because at one point she told me like, you just got to start meeting people. So I would suggest just message people on LinkedIn who are marketers in your city and just see if anybody will go to lunch with you. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> how do you do that? Like that is putting yourself out there in a way that again is humbling and total strangers that you don't know other than their LinkedIn profile, <laughs> which again, never been on LinkedIn until starting this. And so that was the biggest gift. And then I messaged, you know, probably six or eight people and one girl was so kind and was like, yes, I would love that. And so we did. And now we are great friends still to this day. And, and though our companies don't do the same thing, we marketing is the same, you know, is the same. So just getting to learn from her experiences, asking her questions, and her being willing to share and has really led into, gosh, how do I get more of this? And who do we, like, how do we find other people? Because surely I'm not the only one. Um, and so that has led into more of being a part of different marketing organizations here in Memphis to learn from and then to offer what I've learned to other people and pass it on. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that you were wanting to start a meetup or like kind of do something with that. And um, I'm excited to see kind of where that takes you and, and your friend, you know, if y'all, y'all continue doing that together. Um, I, it's been really encouraging just to hear you uh, kind of share just like this transition of, of how you got to different points of where you are and like where you are now. And even, you know, five years down the road, 10 years down the road to look back and there'll probably be another shift of something that happens and like you being able to take these little nuggets and just your perspective on life and the fact that you um, do trust the Lord to guide you in the different directions that that's going to be helpful for you. Um, I, I, I had, you know, so this whole, like I said, you, you having this mindset and, and handling these different moments and, and doing what you can do and, and doing what's best. I had a conversation with someone the other day who shared her fears of leaving a very familiar career. And it made me think like, oh, she needs to listen to 
I don't know what Megan's going to say, but she's going to need to listen to Megan's <laughs> interview. Um, and so she, she right now she's in her late 20s and she is worried that she can't get hired in a career that's different from her current background, which is a valid fear. You know, it's like you've had all this training in one thing and then now you want to leave that one thing, but you have no idea what's on the other other side. What are some practical steps that you would recommend for her that you think would be beneficial? Yeah, I mean, those are definitely valid fears. And I, you know, and it's not that I, I still miss nannying and I still miss that season of my life. And it, <laughs> um, gosh, and so much of that of like, I just want to go back to something that I knew and that I was good at and that I didn't make mistakes. I mean, I did make mistakes, not to say that, but that you, I just felt so like I knew that that was what I was created for and that was the role I needed to be in. And so leaving that is terrifying because it is a sense of what else am I good at? Like how, and other people can see what your strengths are and how it can be flushed out in different ways but it is sometimes hard for us to be able to see that in ourselves. And so I would encourage and say, you know, being honest with yourself and really writing down like, okay, what are my strengths? What is it that I enjoy? And be, I mean, obviously prayer is your biggest um, weapon in that. But it's, I mean, I honestly, it's just taking the leap. It, it's that first step of, of trusting and knowing like I can do hard things um, and that this is gonna be hard, but the excitement and the reward of something new and different, you know, kind of, it outweighs that fear. And I'm thinking through just, again, it might not be something that you are like totally gung-ho for, but it has been really amazing for me to see like, Oh, though I might have been like getting kids together and doing play dates and putting systems in place in a home for organization and whatnot, like that easily translates over into an office setting in so many ways that I just did not know again, because I have this thought in my head, it's going to work a certain way. And then me getting over, like, I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to have to learn from those mistakes is really humbling. Um, and so it truly is trusting the Lord and taking that leap. And that sounds so simple and I know it's not, but just putting yourself because it is vulnerable and it is being open and honest with people. And I think, you know, I have been really gracious the Lord has been really gracious to me to give me opportunities to work for people in the home setting and then now in the office setting who really do want other people to succeed and really do want the best for you. And so I get that that might not be everywhere, but I think people really do want other people to do well and being willing to go out and like, again, like, I've done with just meeting people on LinkedIn and connecting and networking with people. LinkedIn is so much different than 
being on an Instagram or TikTok or, you know, any other social media, because it really is this, like, it's this interesting mix of people encouraging one another, congratulating people on their new job roles or promotions or graduations. And so you see people doing so many different things um, and struggling at things and winning at things. And so anything that you might be remotely interested in is just going and meeting those other people who are doing what you want to do and learning from others is really valuable. Yeah, I think that's huge. I, I also like how you said that when you're in this process of trying to figure out what's next, telling yourself, I can do hard things. Because that if you if you see something that looks difficult and challenging, you say, that's too hard, that's too hard, that's too hard, that turns into that limiting mindset and you shift it to say, no, I can do that. I just have to figure out how I can do that. So I appreciate that, Megan. Yeah. Megan, I always uh, usually ask this last question, which is very similar to the previous question, but kind of a little different. You know, this whole podcast is about being more than your age, more than your season in life. Um, And so if you could encourage one woman who feels limited to pursue a dream or just a goal based on her specific age or life circumstance, what would you tell her? That's such a good question. Um, And I'm thinking of like, what? I think it's that. What do you want? And writing out, what do you want in your life? Who's the woman you want to become? Who do you want the Lord to shape you into? And showing up as that woman. And I don't do that well, but that is something that I I do long for and pray for. Of It's okay. And that has taken me a long time. It's okay to mess up and it's okay to not be perfect. We're human. Um, but you do have to just try it, just go. And, and I get that so many other life circumstances can stand in the way of that. Yes. And starting small, I think that's the other lesson. It doesn't have to be perfect to start and you don't have to start big. It can be very little, but going in the right direction. Well. Wonderful words, Megan. I love this. I love just hearing, you know, really part of your story, a big part of your story. And like I mentioned earlier, I'm excited to see what continues to happen in this marketing career um, with you and your husband. And so just thank you for your, your beautiful words, your wise words, and your time. Thanks so much, Megan. Thanks, Erica. So happy to be here. If you were encouraged by today's episode, like and subscribe to this podcast and share this episode with a friend. You can find me on Instagram at More Than Your Age and visit the More Than Your Age Facebook page. Keep striving for your goals, live fully, and we'll catch you next time on the More Than Your Age podcast.